You're listening to the Bearded Theologians podcast, hosted by Zach Bechtold and Matt Franks. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast and check us out online at beardedtheologians.com. Um, a little bit about this, um, Matt and I, we host a podcast called Bearded Theologians. We have shirts. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have any here that you can buy. <laughs> we have stickers up at the beginning. But. <laughs> uh, but what we do, we host this weekly podcast where we talk about ministry and theology and, and various things. And this is going to be one of our special podcasts. Uh, and talking about rural youth ministry, we understand that the resources, uh, let me rephrase that, free resources are limited. Uh, and if they are free and they're there, maybe or maybe not, they're good. Um, and so we want to create, we want to use y'all and create a resource that we can send to um, anybody that's looking for uh, resources. And so this conversation that we're having today is recorded, if that's okay with everybody. Um, and we want y'all to be as open and honest as you can. Uh, we can edit some things in if we need to. If you want to say, oh, I wish I didn't say that. <laughs> Uh, if you use the name, that's fine. You know, we, we can figure that out. Um, but we want y'all to be a part of this resource um, because there are so many people like you guys who are, who are wondering, hoping, and needing resources that it's better if y'all say it than we do. So um, that's what this is. And um, we're going to go through a variety of things. Hopefully there's a lot of time uh, for you to ask questions. Um, both of us are big believers that we should talk less. Y'all should talk more. Um, so there's going to be time so, one of the things that we kind of wanted to talk about, um, why you messed up those numbers? Um, <laughs> we have an outline. We, we have an outline. Um, we don't ever do an outline. So, the first so, thing so, in ministry is to be flexible. In the 16 years that I've been involved with youth ministry, um, that's it. I mean, you want to know what a successful program looks like, it will change every day. Uh, there are some stays that you can have. I mean, you know, people and places sometimes don't change, but like, I don't do youth ministry the same way like I did 16 years ago. Not only have I changed and grown in my faith, the ministry has changed. Um, I hope and pray that you have a ministry that where your youth are connected into your church. If you're a silo ministry where you're like off in your own little building and you don't like have any interaction with anybody other than maybe the two or three adults that come over and hang out, break down that barrier and find a way to bridge that community. Because if not, what's going to happen is, is that when those kids graduate, they're not going to have a church to go to because they don't know about that church. They don't know how that church operates. You all have been your own little church on its own. And that's something that when I learned um, my second appointment was a large church, they had just broken down that wall and we're starting to have youth be involved in worship um, in different aspects of life. Um, please don't just grab a youth to put on the worship computer because you think they know how to do PowerPoint. Um, that's helpful for some of those kids that like to do that, but that may not be what God is calling them to be and bring to the church. They may want to be a liturgist. Um, I have a rule in Locust Grove that at least once a quarter, we have a youth be a liturgist. That's my rule. That is an unsaid, like, un, nobody fights me on it rule is that we have a youth be a liturgist. And we have found that very helpful for the kids to feel that the church is their own. And the other thing that we've really done and really focused on, and I think this is where the shift of youth ministry is going, is intergener intergenerational ministries, doing things together with the old people. Uh, that's actually a good thing. It, it creates community. It creates um, 
a sense of connectedness. It also breaks down that wall that exists sometimes between youth ministries and churches. Because what happens is there's this wall that is built up and it's, hey, we give them money or, hey, we, you know, oh, they're just over there. We don't, you know, we don't know what's going on. And, and you know, there's always that kind of roughness between youth ministry and the church because they, the, a long time ago, maybe 20 years ago, the youth ran in the church and ran rampant and they destroyed Aunt Tilda's wall. You know, wall. You know that's going to happen in any kind of ministry. And, and, and I think the conversation needs to be had with the, the church council and the pastor is to make youth important and to say, hey, yeah, you crashed in the wall. Let's hope you don't do that again. We can fix a wall. The, the moment you break that relationship, it's hard to get that relationship turned around. And so I hope that, like, as you're thinking and um, jotting notes, you know, you think of some ways that you can break down those barriers between, you know, the worship church on Sunday morning and your youth ministry. Because I would almost guarantee you that they're probably not connected. And they're probably disassociated until you Sunday. And then you Sunday, it's like, oh, look, we got you Sunday. Look at all these great youth. I stopped doing you Sundays in Locust Grove because every Sunday is you Sunday. Because youth are involved in some way, shape, or form. And, and that's, to me, that's, a way, that's like the first way you get them and start bridging that gap. The other way that we do, the other thing that I've started doing is mission trips. Um, we do intergenerational mission trips. We don't do a youth mission trip. I, I think that this is a service to the elder adults because some of those older adults want to go on a mission trip, but they won't go on the mission trip to Haiti or whatever because it's too much and too expensive. But a youth mission trip that you do for like 100 bucks you'll probably find some 50 to 60 year old people that would love to go. I had a lady who was 87 years old go on a mission trip with me this year, our intergenerational trip. She's like, hey, I love this. I love getting to interact with these kids. I get to know them in a different way. And you know what? It's a lot fun, more fun than going with just a bunch of adults. And so, you know, find those ways that you can bridge those gaps. And I think that that's a huge, um, a huge thing that you can do in ministry to kind of help, especially in small churches, because in small churches, you know, if you only have 25 people and you've got 10 youth, one, that's awesome. And I don't know if a church really does that, but if you've got some youth, if you've got, you know, three or four or five youth, and they're not involved in the life of the church, they won't necessarily be involved in the life of the church when they get older. And so the more you incorporate them in life, one, it makes them feel like it's their church, and they're a part of this. You know, it's not just about throwing them on those committees. You know, you throw them on a finance committee, they may show up once out of the four or five times you meet during the year. That, that doesn't you know, find ways, you know, like we do with older adults or adults, you know, we, we hopefully recognize the gifts that adults have and we try to put them in places in ministry. The same thing can be done with youth. We're, we're gonna talk a lot about resources later, um, but Matt mentioned it, doing intergenerational ministry, ministry from birth to death, is a way to maximize your resources. Uh, instead of your youth going on a mission trip and your adults going on a mission trip, that, those are splitting your resources, people, money, bands, whatever. Um, put those things together and you've, you're, you're maximizing your effort. Um, it's, it's, it's much intergenerational ministry really has got to be the way we live in the church. Uh, we'll talk more about that here in a little bit, but the, as far as the life of the church is concerned, um, doing campus ministry especially, uh, with the Wesley Foundation here, I got to be in a lot of our churches around the conference. And the number one question that I got was how do we uh, probably a lot of the same question you guys had to me. Um, and my answer was always, well, let's not go get young people, let's just go get people, right? Uh, but if you want young people, well, we've never really let them be in the church. 
Um, and usually the, the, the question or the comment that accompanied, well, how do we get young people? Because young people are the future of the church. No. Young people are the today of the church. Children and youth are the today of the church. And one thing that we do when we say that children and youth and young people are the future of the church is saying, well, when you're ready for, when we're ready for you to be the future of the church, you can be the future of the church. And that's not okay. And so they go through children's and they go to children's church and they're never in the sanctuary. They go to youth and they're over in their youth rooms and they don't come to church. And when I ask youth how they feel about that, are you, are you welcome into your church? Well, of course not. We have to go over here. And so in doing that and taking that phrase, children of the future of the church, or youth of the future of the church, and saying, they're right now, they're the present of the church with us, and incorporating them into worship, letting them be liturgists, letting them uh, read scripture or pray or just be involved in whatever way. That's huge. Um, because it gives them a, a place, it makes them feel comfortable, but it also shows the church, oh my gosh, we are young people. And they're here and they're in a church. Um, and, and a couple of us were talking before, and, and you know, Sunday mornings are always our end goal. Um, maybe it's Sunday school, maybe it's worship. Um, maybe that shouldn't be our end goal. Maybe just being with them in some capacity throughout the week in their lives is our end goal. Um, uh, outreach, missions, those things don't always translate into Sunday mornings. Um, because we have broken families and things, people can't always come on Sunday mornings. Um, and, and so and integrating them in worship is great. That's one piece of it. But finding ways to interact with them outside of that is just as valuable. And, and that's the big key. If you want to know how to do youth ministry and do it well, it's about building relationships. Yes. I mean, you want, you want to know how to get youth in your church, get to know those kids. But not at not a surface level. You know, know what's going on in their lives. Um, and I think that that's important, that far too often, you know, we want to throw the big inflatable party. You know, how many, of you, how many churches probably throw that big inflatable party? But during that big inflatable party, how often do your pastors or, you know, yourself get to know those kids that are coming to your party? And, and, you know, and maybe if your school, like church is right by a school, how many of your church members are going into those schools and volunteering their time? One of the greatest moments of my ministry where people actually got to know I was the pastor was when I sat in a test proctor. When I would just sit and, you know, those state tests that you all have to take, like I literally went and sat and proctored, which all I meant, all I had to do was I sat there and read a book. I mean, and it's amazing to see that, like, going to those games, you know, you know how many stinking basketball games I've been to? You know how many basketball games I went to before I had kids? The more you invest into them and make your presence known and, and you get to know them and, and get to really build a relationship with them. They're going to want to be a part with you. And, you you know, and, and you know that thing, when they're not at church on Sunday, find out why. Not, not just say, well, you know, you weren't at church on Sunday. Hey, man, I noticed you were gone at church on Sunday. What, what's going on? Is there, is, there, is there anything I do to help you? You know, are, are there ways that I can, you know, help you? You know, do you need a ride to church? I have three kids right now that are, like, literally drugged to church by other, my other church members. They go and pick them up on their way to church. Because they established a relationship with them, and they said, hey, I need to ride to church. Um, we had a young man that was coming from our uh, Methodist Girls and Boys home, and that very first Christmas, because these people had gotten to know this young man, they provided him with a Christmas. They wouldn't have known that had they not taken that initial step of building that relationship. And if you ask me, to build a youth ministry, whatever size you're shooting for, everybody needs to work towards building those relationships with those kids 
So that way you can know what's going on in their lives. So that way then you can say, hey, you know, Jimmy doesn't have a coat. Let's get Jimmy a coat. Oh, but wait a minute. We found out that all fifth graders don't have a coat. We can do this as a congregation. And you know, that's actually what happened with me in my current congregation. Um, we found out that the lower elementary school didn't, there were like 50% of the kids couldn't, didn't have access to coats for the winter. And so I came back to the church and said, hey, these kids need a coat. And we can do that. But here's the deal, like, I don't want you to give me money. I want you to take a kid's number and go buy this kid's coat, pray for it, bring it back to the church, and we'll make sure. And you know what's been amazing? We've been doing this now for three years, is we've only gotten two families to ever come back to our church because of that. But those kids know, those kids know that there's a church that loves them and cares for them. And I think that that's part of it, too, making your presence known that you do love kids. Don't just put it on the sign. Actually model loving kids. And, and I think that that's been amazing to watch my congregation when a youth or a child comes into our church. We love on them. We care for them. Even, even those little ones that make all those noises in worship, um, my response has been when adults come to me that have never really talked to me about this, and they come to me, I start pointing out the adults and saying, hey, what about this person? You're not complaining about them to me. I said, so, unless you want to complain about all of them, then we'll talk about other reasons why you're complaining. But, and I think that that's it. You have to establish relationships and a culture that is, you know, hey, we do want to reach everybody. But we really want to make sure that children and youth have a place where they can feel like they can grow up in the faith, that when they become an adult, they can say, hey, I actually do have a church home. And they may not have ever gone through confirmation. They may not have ever joined your church. But yet, maybe every so often, they show up. And, and I think that that's important, that when you can establish that relationship and they can feel like they have a place to feel safe and to call home, they have a church. What sucks is that doesn't go on a new report. I'm sorry, it doesn't. I've tried, I've asked, I've asked my DS, hey, where do I put this? You know, I've got all these kids that are involved, but they're not involved directly. But they know that this is theirs is a place, and 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 that's a and that's a struggle. And the other struggle that we we kind of we put on our notes um, is money, <laughs> funding let's, youth ministries. Let's not go there. Yeah. You don't go let's there. Not go there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, what other thing? So Tularosa. Um, if you ever been through Tularosa, you know it's a recycle. There's a couple thousand people, and, and about forty of them come to our church uh, there. And their big push was. We gotta get, we gotta get young people. We gotta get young people. Yes, I understand that, but let's just go get people, right? And uh, they said, well, how do we do that? Well, it's building relationships, like Matt said. And the, the greatest, the easiest way that we build our relationship, build build relationships with people, is by telling our story. Um, if we have anything as people, as Christians, as never, we have our story. The things that we've gone through in life, and where we can look back and say, here's how God got me through this. And you'll be, I would be willing that you'd be surprised the things that kids are going through these days and relate to. Because um, having that generational gap in the church, we have both sides saying, well, we don't relate. Oh, we don't relate. But when we begin to tell our stories, we begin to relate. Um, and if we have anything in the church, we have our story about how God has impacted our lives. And um, especially when I was working with college students, uh, and, and, and unfortunately, it's really getting into high school and junior high. Those kids feel like they're going through hell. And they're going through the same hells that we've gone through. And to hear that from an adult that's not their parents, that's not their grandparents, that's not somebody super close to them, but to hear it from somebody in their church, like, here's what I've gone through, it's the same thing you're going through. 
here's how I came out on the other side. That's huge. And those are huge moments in those relationship building pieces. And like Matt said, you know, you find out that the school, none of the fifth graders had jackets. I remember when I didn't have a jacket. Let's go get some jackets. You know, you begin to tell those stories. Um, and, and those are, that's how those kids connect. And yeah, they may never, they may show up at church every now and then, but that's home to them. Um, I come across kids all the time with Facebook and social media and things, places, churches that I've been, that kids came every now and then. They still interact with me and I'm still their pastor um, because of the interactions that we had. Um, they may not go into that church anymore, but in their eyes, I'm still that guy, that person for them. Um, and there's still people in those churches that we've connected them with, that even though I'm gone, that's the beauty about the Methodist church because we're going to go at some point. Uh, they get to build those with them, or with the, the congregation as well. So, do you want to add to that? Well, and that's where, and the whole idea of building relationships is key. Um, you also don't have to change your worship style. That's right. Um, I've, I've, my church right now, we, we call ourselves laid back traditional. We're, we're, we're middle of the road, high church kind of, but you know, we do some other music. I mean, we, we do worship karaoke really well. I don't have a praise band. I'm not, I don't have a blessed, like I don't have someone that can play guitar. I don't have someone that can lead and that style. So we do worship karaoke awesome. And that's only every so often because I, I recognize that like one, I want, I want these kids to understand our rich hymn tradition that we have. And what a better way to teach theology than through music. And some of the new contemporary Christian music doesn't really teach the theology that I want our kids to understand and, and learn. And so we really emphasize using hymns, but we do them well. And, and I think that that's the whole side too, is that if your worship sucks, adults don't want to be there. Youth don't want to be there. Children don't want to be there. And so your worship has to be done well. And it doesn't have to be a musical style. Um, the, the, my second appointment was a large church in Norman, Oklahoma. Our highest attended service was our traditional service. And it had just as many kids as, it, as any of the other services because it, provided, it was really well done. And it provided a space where people felt comfortable and safe. And, and I think that when you start thinking about worship, you, know, you don't have to blow it up. You just have to ask yourself, are we providing something that, that people are going to want to spend an hour at? And, I, you know, it starts with, you know, children's moment and all those other things you do in worship and asking yourself, is this something I would want to sit through? Um, because if you don't want to sit through it, there's no chance that a youth or a child or even another adult's going to sit through it. And so evaluating your worship and asking, it, is, it, is it a safe space where people can feel like they feel safe? Um, you know, do you provide things for kids that, you know, one of the best things I do for my bulletin is that we have a word search puzzle in the back. You know, more adults get upset if I don't put the word search puzzle in the <laughs> but, but having those little things, those little subtle, like, trinket things that, that youth and children can get involved with, that, that does draw them in. And, and it does make, makes them feel like they have a space. And, you know, like, you know, the fact that they know that, like, hey, there's, a, there's actually something that's going to keep my attention. I don't need a fidget spinner. Um, you know, and, and having things like technology, you know, um, we, we, this is the first church I've been in that actually had a screen that used the screen for all of worship. And I had to change the way I did things because I wasn't used to that. I was used to everything being in the, in the bulletin or the hymnal. And so that changed the way that I did things. And so, you know, being adaptive and having your stuff done really well, not only will adults want to be a part of that, but children and youth also smell that out too. And, and if your worship service sucks, 
nobody's coming. And, and I hate to say that, but like, that's, to me, that's a big problem in a lot of our churches is that, you know, children and youth are going to come not because it's too adulty. Children and youth are going to come because it's horrible. <laughs> I mean, the preaching's bad. The, you know, the music is dead. And, you know, your worship has to have life. And, and I think that will draw any age. Um, we, have, we have a little kid who's about this tall that runs through worship. He's my nephew. <laughs> And there have been times where I've had that conversations with my sister and say, hey, you know, he probably shouldn't be running up there in communion because he might trip somebody. But there are other times where, you know, like, yeah, it's okay. You know, he's learning how to be in worship. And as we've allowed our children and youth to be in worship in my three years there, kids are staying a lot longer. They're staying still. They're not causing any problems. Now, if I could just get my adults to come with my youth, we'd be all right. Um, and I think that that's the deal, is that we have, to, we have to look at everything we do in the church and ask ourselves, is this something inviting for everybody, not just youth and children? Because if you, you know, this whole new study that I've been reading um, looks at going and getting uh, grandmas and grandpas to church. Because if you get grandmas and grandpas to church, you'll have grandkids. Um, and so, you know, looking at possible ways that you can reach out in the ministry for them. One of the, my like dreams I didn't get to start in my current appointment uh, because while well, I'm moving um, was to start a grandparent support group um, for grandparents that are raising grandchildren because we had a we had a high rate of that in my community and we thought well, hey I had three grandparents that thought this was the greatest idea ever and we're going to start the support group for them you're going to meet at a coffee shop and we're going to talk about how for them to raise children because it's changed since they raised their children um, and you know. The next pastor actually likes that idea, and she's going to run with that. But, you know, that's something to think about. Look at your community and ask yourself, what can we provide that nobody else is providing? And a lot of times, the more you support those adults that are taking care of those kids, they tend to drag them to church. So one of the things that we want to do, we've talked a lot. I told you we weren't going to talk as much. <laughs> uh, but we want you all to talk. We want to hear, um, first of all, we want you to go around the room and introduce yourselves. Tell us who you are, where you're from. Um, and after we do that, we want to hear, um, what do I have on there? Is it oh, We want to hear one joy. So when you introduce Chuck, we want to hear one joy and one frustration that you have with youth. Oh, not, let me rephrase that, not with youth. That seems it's a different. <laughs> so your name, uh, who you are, where you're from, one joy and one frustration, frustration with youth ministry. So we'll start in the back. Since they're good Methodist, right? <laughs> <laughs> Jacob, why don't you go first? Sorry. I was looking at I know, I saw <laughs> <laughs> I'm Jacob Boone. I'm currently the pastor at Sandholm in Arvesson. And um, a joy. It's, it's a great place that God has right now. We have in, in Sandholm, we started, just recently started a new program in a children's Sunday school. There's people that are stepping up, and it's exciting. Awesome. Um, so we're just trying to work it out and figure out how we get that youth group going and that children's, you know, that children's Sunday school to evolve into a national children's program. Um, I'm also associate pastor at Logan and Tufancary, part of Quay Parish thing, and uh, it's it's exciting because we can kick that all together sometimes and then learn how to do it individually so that way the churches can go and do it. Frustration. I've been in ministry for a long time and. Uh, the only frustration is trying to figure out because <laughs> you go to different places, it's all different. It's trying to figure out how can we do this differently. You know, that's the only frustration I I enjoy being in ministries involved 
as evangelist and youth pastor in that process, this would be great. Right? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Sure. I'm Jeremy Stoner. I'm from San Home. I'm a lay member and work with youth and help a lot at church here in Sacramento. Um, I'd, ha I'd have to say that starting something new is probably the best part of our youth so far because it was starting to die really quickly and it's starting to come back. We got more numbers, more kids. We have about 200 kids, there are 200 people in the town of San Juan, and we've got 20 something kids. Eight, so, that's a pretty good number. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> town that small. Yeah. And I have to say, the frustration part is getting that connection from the youth to the adults all on one page. It's always seems real separate. Mm -hmm. so. okay. I'm going to stay with you, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Craig Brown. I'm a ship rock. I think he's on the way. I deal with not only other religions on land, right, that we recognize as being standardized or associated or accepted. But we're talking about traditional peyote, uh, sweat lodge, et cetera, et cetera. And, and it's a mix. They're willing to bring in. Most any native thing from the Americas onto the rest and, and use it. So I'm facing a rainbow. I have about six kids that come, four in one family. If the parents don't come, those kids wouldn't come. Right. And and I have a plus in that I served three years and 19 days in the United States Marine Corps. That's big one there is. Co-talkers. Uh, my failure is with children. I'm 66 years old, I've never been a parent, okay? But I'm sure I can make some of the same mistakes parents do. Absolutely. I'm Tracy McKenzie, and I'm with Christ Community United Methodist Church in El Paso. And um, I'm just uh, sort of, in, I'm not even, I'm an alternate for you. Okay. So I'm not even a lay member for my church here. Uh, it's my first time at conference. And um, our youth ministry is not too bad. Our problem is, is we have a lot of young children mm. between um, two and five. <laughs> uh, the older ones, this past Sunday was our last Sunday that we had. So we're looking, you know, just for anything to get some, I guess, older ones in or something. And I'm getting a lot of ideas from you. <laughs> I'm Judy Thomas. Um, I'm at Socorro United Methodist Church. Um, I'm the pastor's wife, although I don't have a rhythm that says I'm the So um, we've been at Socorro for five years, I think. And um, our great joy right now is in terms of our youth ministry is that we're, we're up to 14 youth because they all came at the same time. <laughs> of course. And um, we're having, we're going on our first youth mission trip this summer with group ministries. So we're going to San Diego, and the kids are excited, and the whole congregation's buying into it, and they've helped them raise their money. It's 11 of the 14. <coughs> so they're really excited about that, and I'm on board with coming to church more often and showing up for youth group. The frustration is, is, um, the parents and the grandparents who are raising these kids, getting sustained commitment from them, 
the kids want to get up come to church on Sunday morning, they have to drag their parents mm -hmm. sometimes. And they, they live, a lot of our kids live 30 to 45 minutes away from town, out on the ranches. And so they can't get there unless their parents get up. Get them there. And as far as filling out the paperwork for the mission trip, it, you got to stay on the parents. The kids want to get everything done. Yeah. It's just, um, so parents are my biggest frustration, but they're also a blessing. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> my favorite thing about campus ministry is they don't have parents anymore. Yeah. <laughs> we have a really active campus ministry, too, because yeah. um, Mexico Tech that's right. is right there, and that's this is not a campus ministry meeting, so I won't talk about that. It's <laughs> a huge joy. Awesome. Very good. Uh, my name is Marco Munson, and I'm actually not a youth director. I'm a music director at Morningstar United Church here in Las Cruces. And I'm just here because I'm curious. I'm an educator in addition to being a musician, so I have a great passion for youth and children. And um, I work with the Music on the Mountain camp at Sacramento Methodist Church, so I or Methodist camp, sorry. Um, <clears throat> I do the praise and worship portion of that. So I've, I've worked with kids a lot. Uh, we just started a youth praise band at our church. We restarted it. Um, some other folks started it and it didn't work, work out. And we're trying to get that going again. And consistency, I guess the frustration in that situation is um, there's not a consistent attendance. So on anybody's part, <laughs> except for me and the one kid that's leading it. So, um, you know, I really was, wasn't was anticipating giving you any level of frustration because I don't really feel particularly frustrated, but I guess if that's the one area that I see needs growth is that consistent attendance. Um, and I'm guessing if I'm having issues with that with the praise bands, there's probably issues across the board. Um, so, and I, I do believe that that probably has a lot to do with parents more than the kids because I remember when I was a youth, I had to get rides from my pastor to church. So I wouldn't have made it there if it hadn't been for the other adults in the church that invested into my life. So that, that was a really important issue that needs to be addressed. I'm Sandy Ramage. I'm from Holland, Odessa. And uh, one of our greatest joys right now is three years ago, we had three children, youth, and some toddlers coming up and so on. We're taking 13 to camp as junior, senior high this year, and uh, growing more by about 21 kids right now, all total. Um, I think the same thing, getting people to commit to it. I'm, I'm a grandmother, could, it could be great-grandmother to some of these children, you know, and um, to get the commitment into teaching Sunday school or working with the kids. A lot, some of our kids are right now because of the program going uh, or walking in, neighborhood kids. So, I mean, there's no support from them as far as families or background or anything like that. Um, one, I guess one of our newest things we tried, we realized for us vacation church school wasn't working. So we just didn't do it last year. And we started 12 nights of summer. And so every Wednesday night we do a special activity and they get going to a baseball game like Gals. 
and do a devotional thing with them there. Uh, and it's an intergenerational for the whole congregation that's involved. Uh, a lot of part of the church. So, and this has been a tremendous success and has kind of brought our, our groups together a little more. And the kids have tied in more with the congregation, but the congregation's beginning to tie in with the kids too. But that's been a really fun thing. And this year we did, we just had a, a great time planning it. And so we kind of realized what wasn't working for us and went to what was. Right. That's great. Okay. My name is Arlene Sheff, and I'm from Tucum Carey Center Street United Methodist. And uh, my greatest joy is seeing kids raised in the church because when they're raised in the church, you can tell because they feel at home in the church. But then my biggest frustration is when they're raised in the church, they feel at home in the church. <laughs> so it can go both ways. Um, but our church is real good. My, as you said, I'm a great-grandmother, I'm a grandmother, and we have my great-grandkids that come. And one Sunday, I didn't show up, and assuming my daughter would be there, my daughter was sick and didn't show up, assuming I would be there. And later, we found out that our kids was there. <laughs> And now we're talking from like two years old up to eight. And uh, there was no problem because they're so used to being in the church. They just went and sat with some of the other people and they took care of them. They said, well, we did good. So, so that's the our group is real good about letting the kids intermingling with the kids. So. Hi, I'm Ethel Mulaney. I'm from uh, Cimarron United Methodist Church, which is way up north. Got up very early this morning. <laughs> we have uh, a community of about 700 people. Uh, we're very uniquely uh, situated. Our church is on the corner. The high school is just north of us. The mid school is just east of us. And the grade school is just southeast of us. So they're all on the same block. And so the, the um, school, the yeah, the school has an agreement with our church so that if they have any kind of a disaster at the school, they come to the Methodist church to hang out. They have a key, they you know, and then the, our church is used by the community for everything: baby showers, you know, birthday parties, whatever. And we have um, about four or five youth in the church and then several little toddlers that are like four and under and but we really don't have a program at all for them and so i guess my frustration is is that i would like to see them feel more involved in church and again we have a problem with commitment from parental units and it's hard to a lot of these kids are from U Park, which is 15 miles up the road, or Philmont, which is five miles down the road. And so picking them up is not always an option to get them there. And so, um, and speaking of, I, I had to fill the pulpit this Sunday. Our pastor's having a knee replacement, and we had a baby who 
was just born into the church a year ago, and she came crawling up the aisle while I was, it was wonderful. I mean, you know, and screaming and hollering. And, I mean, she was happy. She was, you know, excited. She knew who I was, and she, she came. She was come see me. So I think that having youth in church is just vital to us. And it's, it's not just about having a program. It's about having them there. Absolutely. Um, you know, the <laughs> I guess the most common thing that I heard y'all say was, Consistency of parents and consistency of kids. Um, I did make a comment. Parents are hard to deal with. <laughs> really hard. And, and I don't think, and I've been in different yeah. locations. So I've been in a town of 700 people to a town, you know, so Mount Norman, which I'll, Norman has a ton of people. And, and what I've discovered is in youth ministry and those sort of things is that trying to get commitment is really about the program that you provide. And if you provide a great program where they feel loved and they feel cared for and they feel like this is important to them, they'll either find a way to get there or they'll guilt their parents so much that it's like, it's like, it becomes like soccer or sports or it's that parent's drive as well. And they want their child to be in the praise band or, you know, to, to do whatever, to be involved with that. I've yet to ever find a formula to get parents involved because sometimes, a lot of times it's, hey, I'm getting rid of my kid for an hour. It's the greatest thing in the world. And so that's where like maybe finding adults in your congregation or context that can be a part of that ministry. Uh, it, to me is usually has been the successful formula to kind of alleviate some of those, you know, we'd love to have a parent teach Sunday school. Maybe you don't want a parent to teach Sunday school because if that kid has their child in the Sunday school class, it creates more problems than it does good. Or if you're, you know, if you have the luxury of spreading them out, like putting, you know, their kid in one Sunday school class and the parent in like a different Sunday school class, you know, that's always a way to look at it. And, but getting that commitment, that's a problem that we're having facing in all things. Like, I mean, I, I coached Little League Soccer this year and I had a girl show up to two practices and two games. We played nine games and had like 20 practices. And so it's not just a church thing anymore. It's, it, it's trying to get parents to find what the, you know, to, to get them engaged in that. I've been in youth for 54 years now, and this isn't a new thing. It's always been my thing. I could always get the kids, but my feeling was if I can get the kids, at least they're getting. That's right. And they're learning. That's right. And I, as much as I went out and bought a van so I could pick everybody. Right. Make sure they got there. Right. Well, and, and like Matt said, and like you said, it's our time. And I've been in youth ministries all over the country, and or at least Texas and New Mexico, and there are kids that were at my youth program every time the doors were open. Um, and there were parents. Never met them to pick them up to a camp. Never met them when I brought them back. You know, they relied on other people or they lived close enough to walk or, or whatever. And, and unfortunately, that's kind of the nature of the beast sometimes. Um, and that in itself becomes a ministry well, it's, in its own right. I know when I was just a youth minister, that was my job. I actually felt more like a minister to the parents because sometimes I knew what was more going on in their lives than the pastor did. Now, granted, I was a good enough youth pastor. I, hey, you know, you might want to go talk to them because they're having marital problems, you know. Um, but, and I think that that's where those, that information sharing comes really well. I'm not necessarily something you need to broadcast out in public, but, but getting to know those parents and what's going on in those kids' lives. Because once you can do that, it gets you into a whole other door of ministry of bringing more people in. Um, I have to be honest with you, had it not been for a family that literally 
would pick me up every Sunday morning for church, I would have never have gone to church. I had a family, and they were the clergy family of the, of the house. Um, I would sit outside at, at 9 o'clock. They would come by in their van, and I'd get in the van, and we'd go to, to church. And I hope that, like, that's stuff that you start thinking about, about finding people that can do that sort of thing, uh, to get kids involved and engaged. And, you know, I wanted to be at church. I just didn't have the means. And then when I could drive, I would take people, or I'd take my sister. Well, I wouldn't necessarily take them in. They were my sisters, so they stayed. <laughs> Church was my thing. Okay. But, and, and I think that that's too, is that when you also can provide a space where kids feel like they're loved. I'll never forget when my, I was getting ready to leave for church. I was in shorts and a t-shirt. It was Sunday morning. I was getting ready to church. My mom started screaming at me. She's like, I can't believe you're wearing that to church. And I smarted off her. Well, at least I'm going to church. <laughs> I got in the car. And, I was like, and so see, those relationships matter. And getting to know, like, What's going on in those parents' lives? Maybe, maybe it's a scheduling deal. Maybe your event doesn't work within their schedule. Maybe you need to work, you know, sit down and like if it's a praise band, sit down with the praise band and their parents and say, hey, I want to do this. I want to do this well. We need everybody to practice. Let's figure out a time to practice. And, and, and I think that that's getting those people committed, you know, showing them the vision of why this is important. We don't want to do something really bad. You know, we need everybody to be a part of it then that gets a little bit of people more invested. And maybe not. Maybe they say, well, this isn't for me. And then that's where you've got to do more recruiting. But I think that that's really the key. It, it really is. And, you know, it, <laughs> I'm going to say this and you're going to hear it. Tell us and let our filters on. <laughs> <laughs> to do things the same way all the time and just beat your head against the wall, just because that's the way you've always done it, don't do that. <laughs> don't be afraid to change. Don't, don't be afraid to do something different, like dropping BBS. That's a painful thing to drop. It was backward when you shot. Absolutely. Because that history, that, that heritage goes well, very, very deep. We always did. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We were getting time. more adults than we were kids. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So we became adult. Yes. And so you, you, don't be afraid to change things. Uh, don't change things for the sake of changing them. But see the vision. Cast that vision to say, well, you know, kids aren't coming on Wednesday nights and Thursday nights for free. Whatever. Start now. Go there. You know, if Sunday mornings for Sunday school is not working, look at a different way. You know, don't beat your head against the wall because you're just going to have a headache. Something that doesn't work for us because of all the athletics. Right. So we do it ourselves Wednesday nights. That's right. Because we couldn't get our kids. We're making that transition in Alabama right now. We've always done it on Wednesday. I mean, on Sunday evenings. And our children and youth are transitioning through the summer on Wednesdays. And are already seeing violence from that. Well, and that's the other thing too. Um, one of the great things that United Methodism has in it is the connectional system. Uh, don't be afraid to work with other churches. So the church I serve at right now, one of the things that Oklahoma did is they put us in the cluster groups. I love the name. They put us in the cluster groups. I mean, it puts in a whole lot of other perspective of things. But in these cluster groups, our cluster group, which I'm the kind of lead visionary of this group. Our goal was is to have at least a youth ministry event every other month. And so, and we actually tied it in to community worship. So all the churches would come together and we'd worship together, but we'd also have youth beforehand. And we, you know, whoever's host, host church provided the meal. Uh, we had one guy that could do games and one person that could, you know, handle you. And we had enough adults there to, to provide safe sanctuaries. And, and the youth loved it because they got to be part of a bigger something. Because I know some of our churches, like, you know, mine, we have about nine kids. 
and we can go be with another nine kids. That makes some of those games a little bit more fun. Um, or, you know, and we were getting about 15 kids. And so when you put, you know, pull together resources and things, that actually does help. And, you know, it is okay. You know, it really is okay to play with other United Methodist churches. <laughs> I, I know, I know we've, we've, we've built these other silos that, well, no, we can't do anything with United Methodist Church down the street because they're United Methodist Church down the street. Well, for kingdom building, we should be doing things with it. And we need to tear down those walls and say, hey, how many kids do you have? Well, I've got five. Well, I've got five. Hey, we can go do this together. We can go laser tagging together. We can go do paintball together. We had a group of 20 churches go paintball with us one time. And you know what was crazy? What was crazy? Actually, you, okay. So you know, you know what my pitch was on Sunday morning for paintballing for my congregation? Hey, do you want to legally put bruises on chest? Come play paintball with us. And I don't care how old you are, as long as you want to sign the release. But you know, we've got to get all this 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 mentality that you know we're such and such in Methodist Church, Methodist Church on the street. We can't work together. We have to work together. We have a history of being together and working together and, yeah i mean and that's you know and as someone who's when i started out in youth ministry that blew my mind that churches wouldn't work together like i, I was still new to methodism and i was like y'all have united in your name you sh should have some kind of common you know thread to work together and and if you can break down that wall it will actually open you up to new opportunities maybe maybe your mission trip of 14 becomes a mission trip of 25 because you were able to include church X that didn't have the capabilities of doing a mission trip. And now they can. And now they can. And, and that, was, that was the biggest thing when we sat down to write this. When we talk about rural youth ministry, we talk about churches that are likely not going to go anywhere, at least for Mexico. We have some smaller churches out there, you know, Paso and, and things that, are, that act like rural youth ministries or rural churches. Um, but as a whole, for a conference, this is what we are. And, um, that was the number one thing. Let's be connectional. Um, because for connectional now, we teach our youth that, hey, we're united. United Methodist Church down the street, we're friends, we're friends. And, and we begin to build that. We go to camp together, we go on mission trips together, we go eat pizza, wherever together. What does that do for the future of the church? What does the church look like in 10 years? If we play mass together now and teach our youth to play mass together and say, well, they're down the street because they got that at so-and-so because they changed color of the carpet. <laughs> they want to work together and do ministry together. And like Matt said, you take you, you take a mission trip at 12 and you gather three churches together and you've got 25. Oh my gosh. The difference that makes in the lives of the people in the mission trip and in the lives of the youth and the adults that go with them. And when those kids come home and you're in the home and your worship services and they go, we went on this trip and we had two power tools. <laughs> but why? We were working on this house with this person and we saw God in their house. You know, we, we saw Christ in these things, and they come back, and, they, and then they start to ask the questions, well, how do we do this here? How do we do this here? How do we go out on the reservation and, and join you out there and, and help, and, and come and be of service to one another? Um, those are big things. Those are big questions. It's also a vital I think it's the most vital tool that we have that is really untapped in the United Methodist Church, is that we're not connected. We don't do anything together. At least, I mean, in our IO conference, it's getting better because we're kind of being forced to do things together. Um, but in all honesty, like, we really don't play together really well. That, that breaks my heart. 
one of the things I, and now I have done this now as a clergyman for the last nine years, one of the things I always tell my youth as I'm getting ready to leave, and we have that conversation as, you know, I'm not at this clergy person. However, if you get involved with the church, you will see me around. Because I love youth ministry, I'm going to be involved with it. You'll see me in some way, shape, or form, whether it be at a camp or on the screen, annual you know, conference. Um, you know, you will see me around. So it's not like I'm disappearing out of your life forever. And I have a kid, I have three kids that are involved in annual conference this year that are for my first appointment. And I've never been so more proud as a pastor to say, those, were, those are kids that we brought in. You know, I have a girl that's singing tomorrow morning at 7.30 who came to annual conference with me as a youth delegate texting me yesterday saying, I didn't realize annual conference started at 7.30 in the morning because <laughs> you never showed us it started at 7.30 in the morning. Those connections, those relationships matter. And even as a clergy person, when you, you know, when you move on, because you will, you'll be able to start to see your success when you start seeing them being involved and engaged. And that starts with you. I think to have a successful youth ministry, you have to say, I want this to succeed. But success doesn't mean that you have 150 kids on one night. Success means that one kid decided to live their life for Jesus Christ to transform the world. And if we start with one, it becomes two pretty quick. And, and to me, that's why I do this. That's why I love this, because youth ministry is the hardest ministry in the church. I've been a part of all the different age levels and different kinds of ministry. Youth ministry is the hardest because it's always changing. And the more we can develop those relationships, getting to know them, understanding, you know, you don't have to speak Instagram, but at least have an account so you can see what's going on in their lives. Because you'll find out more through that than they'll ever stand in front of you and tell you. And it's scary, don't get me wrong. Like I I'm I'm realized I'm now working at an age where I'm like, I gotta stay up on top of this stuff, man. I, I was so happy with just Facebook. And, not like, like, and, and, and I found myself thinking, this is, I'm I'm getting to be one of those people I get frustrated with. And I and I need not to. And I need to be willing to have those conversations with those kids and say, hey, what's the new thing? You know, what what and, and how can I communicate? How can I communicate with you? How do you communicate just using pictures? <laughs> <laughs> that's what friends are. Um, but, but that's the thing is when we build relationships with kids, we speak their language. You know, uh, we communicate the ways that they do, and it's not easy. It's not easy for us, and it's it is. It, but when we do that, there's a there's a trust there. There's a respect there. Oh, you know, and you may feel silly doing it just in the pictures to them. Gosh, they they connect those things. One um, one of the things. What time is it? It's it's not. So one of the things we wanted to talk about because youth ministry, ministry in general, is so reliant on funding, and rural youth ministry especially, or just youth ministry especially, there are very few churches in our conference one that have full time people. All volunteers. Anybody get trying to pay Jacobs as a little bit? Most of your volunteer turn. Yeah. God bless you. Yes, <laughs> yes. I was fortunate enough to be able to make a living at it uh, and get my foot in the door to ministry and do some things. But I started out just like you as a volunteer. Um, and uh, it's tough. It's really tough, especially if you're a volunteer and you don't have any support if you're, if you're the volunteer. Um, and so we wanted to talk a little bit about money, as much fun as money is to talk um, But I think it's important. Because if, if we're working in the church, we, we, if we're going to do missions, if we're going to do camp, if we're going to buy pizza for kids and hang out with them, 
takes a little bit of money, and it shouldn't come out of your pockets. Uh, first and foremost, it should not come out of your pockets, right? Because this is a ministry of the church. Uh, this is a stewardship piece. If we're going to be good stewards of the church and of our resources and our ministries, that's part of it. Funding youth ministry is part of it, as well as volunteering and doing those things as well. Um, and so I've done, I've had, to, I've had to do youth ministry on a budget. Um, I've had as little as $4,000 for the year for about 40 kids. Um, and I've had upwards of about $20,000 for about 15 kids. Um, so I've run the gamut in the budget department. Uh, and the church that I was at that $20,000 budget, I think it went back to about 10. Uh, in two years of being there because it wasn't necessary. Um, and, and so when we think about the role of youth ministry, we know that's probably going to be the extreme. Yeah. If the church has that much money in their budget, we're going to be lucky. So we're really looking at that zero to about four to $5,000 range if we're lucky, right? Um, and so how do you maximize that? A lot of it's working together. If you're going to camp and you know you're going to camp, gosh, carpool. You know, ride together if you're close enough to do that. Uh, when I was in Hobbs, we uh, had Odessa kids come over and, and they made the drive from Odessa to Hobbs and they hopped in the van with us and went. Um, and usually we had little kids from Lovington and, and Eunice come over as well. And so we used the bigger church resources to help do those things. And you'll find that to be like, like so when I got when I got to Lotus Grove, um, I, you know, I just left a large church, was going into a small church, needing. I had no money for curriculum. And so I called the large church and said, hey, Scott, you know all that curriculum you don't know what to do with? Can I have it? He was glad to get rid of it. I mean, he was like, I mean, I, he still sends me boxes of curriculum every so often. And so, you know, maybe partnering with one of those larger churches that buy all that curriculum that they really don't need, but like buy all of it anyway, like saying, hey, can we have a leader's guide and a, and a, and a guide, <laughs> you know? Um, and, and, and finding ways to, to do that creatively, you know, and, and maybe even resourcing with them and saying, hey, I know you all buy for this, but you probably only use this much when you have what you'll use. Um, I do that with VBS, you know, for the for three years of running VBS, we spent not even $500 on VBS in three years because we outsourced, I mean, literally resourced from everybody saying, hey, who's doing this VBS? Okay, these five churches, I want your stuff and I want it now after you're done. So there were several nights where I would drive to, to, to church A to go load up my van full of all their stuff just so we'd have VBS. And it looked like a two to $3,000 VBS. Yes, we did spend money. Because now there's only three to choose from. And chances are you're going to be able and, and I do, and I do the And I do the same thing with my, my curriculum stuff. Hey, Scott, I need your stuff. And, and you know, it, it's great. It's good to use. It's, you know, and, and that's one way to fund your ministry without having to spend a dime. Because uh, the large church literally probably has all that stuff sitting in a room that needs to be going somewhere else. And so finding a, a large church that can you can get curriculum from is a great way to, to, to tap into that. The other is, is that if you share what you're doing and the cost of doing it, there's an old person with money that wants to pay for that child to go to that camp. Camp is a big deal on that. Every church I've been in, there have been uh, faithful people in our congregation that volunteered in youth ministry or remember their kids going and, and had that feeling on, I just can't physically help, but I'll send a kid, I'll send a kid. And finding those people uh, and, and not the other end of that, don't abuse them. Don't abuse them. <laughs> don't abuse them. You know, if you ask them more than twice a year for funding for something, that's probably good. 
we uh, unless they open the door to it. If you have somebody, if that same person's coming to you every time you have something, yeah, bring it on. Uh, but if they don't open that door, don't don't overuse them. Because um, because kids are fundraising year round in school now. They're constantly fundraising, and if we constantly fundraise in the church, that's kind of the other side of that. Limit your fundraisers to like three good ones a year. Find what works and do that. Don't do twelve a year. Don't do them once a month because they're getting hit up for. Girl Scout cookies. They're getting hit up for Boy Scout popcorn. They're getting hit up for wrapping paper for band in the in the winter and this and that and candy bars. And, and then the church is coming at them with big films and burritos and car washes. Well, that's that's a lot. And hopefully these people are already giving, right? They're already tithing. They're already supporting the church. And so it's finding those ways just to hit them a couple of times a year, um, and where they can say, well, yeah, this is this is great. And you have kids tell stories. Yeah, and that's where and that's where when you have youth that are connected into worship, that very next Sunday that you get back on your trip or from camp, their butt better be standing in front of the congregation. That's right. Telling their experience. Now make sure it's the kid that had the good experience. <laughs> you don't want the kid that's doing the you know, you, you want the kid that had the faith transmit the faith transformation experience to say, I want to go back next year and make sure that they say thank you. Yes. <laughs> um, and, and because if you start teaching them that stewardship, then, you know, one, people will say, hey, it's camp season. How much does camp cost this year? Well, it costs us my money. Oh, okay. Here's a check for one kid. Right. Um, and, and because they remember that experience, but also you got to continue that story throughout the year. So like when it gets to be like March or April, Start talking about camp now yeah, instead of two weeks before. Not only are you going to kill yourself in trying to find that money, that money probably isn't going to be there. But if you start talking about it in March, you'll have someone come to you in June and say, hey, um, does Timmy have money for camp? Well, no. You think about it, no. Here's this money. Right. And, you guys have the pulse of your kids and kind of what they're going through. And, and you know, they don't have to tell you if they've got the money or not. We know those things when we build those relationships. And and Dollar Tree is your best friend. And I don't know. Do you guys have Dollar Tree in New Mexico? Yeah. Oh, yes. Okay. Dollar Trees are a great place to buy youth ministry things. Okay. I didn't really realize this until they built one in Locust Grove. But once they did, like I'm there all the time buying just you know things to play games with. And you know, there's all sorts of websites that you can go to to find great youth games. You know, you know the more quirkier the better. Um, Kids like to be kids. Yeah, believe it or not, kids like to be kids, and they want to play and be silly. And um, you know, people playing be silly with them for a minute—that's big. And they'll have one game that you'll have that they'll yes. want to play all the same time. Let them play all the same time and pray that you graduate that group and bring another group. <laughs> like, I mean, and, and this is the I, I we in Locust we have we play the couch game, and I'm sick and tired of the couch game. What helped us not playing the couch game anymore is that some kids graduated and we couldn't play the game anymore. <laughs> but then when we had a large group of youth there, we got to play the couch game we ever played. Uh, you know, so what is the couch game? <laughs> okay, so you sit in a circle and you designate areas of couch. Usually, you use a, we used a couch because we had a couch. So and that was like the prime the prime tied seating. So what we did it was boys versus girls, and so everybody had to, you had everybody's name in a hat. Circled the hat, passed the hat around, everybody has a name. And there's an empty spot, like, so it'd be like, so like the empty spot would be right here. And so since I'm around an empty spot, I'll say, like, 
I want Zach to come sit in the empty spot. And so whoever had Zach's name would come over. Ideally, depending on your couch, we always say, yeah, have three on the couch. So like we want three guys on the couch. And so we try to work it out. Whoever had you know, somebody's name to get on the couch. It became a great scene. Like it's a manipulative game. Like, you know, like, you know, call his name. And, and, um, so yeah, and you just keep, and as soon as you like, so like, let's say the person that's accident then comes to the couch. And if it wasn't part of our three, they'd hand me the, we'd have to change names. And then the next person to the empty spot has to say, I want so-and-so on the couch. It's, you can actually find it it's on Seabed. Seabed has it. There's a couple other places. Um, Seabed.com. But it's a, um, Seabed, S-E-E-D, uh, they have all sorts of good youth ministry games. Uh, they have a lot of good too. They do, so they have a lot. Um, one of, one of, since we're talking about games, uh, one of my youth's favorite games, uh, gosh, every youth group I've been in, it, it translated. Um, it was a great way to learn names. We, we learned it on a mission trip. No, sorry, we learned it on a ski trip. Uh, but we were at a church, and so they had 20 or 30 of their kids. We had 20 or 30 of our kids, and we were one of we were going to eat dinner, so we wanted to learn everybody's name or try to. They put a trash can with a couple of uh, pool noodles in the trash can, and you have two people start out in the middle, and they have the pool noodles, and they go over and they say, Hey, Matt, my name's Zach, and they hit Matt with pool noodle. And they run back and they put the pool noodle in the trash can, and they run back and take Matt's spot. Well, Matt's job is to run and get the pool noodle out of the trash can and hit me before I get back to the spot. Well, kids love because <laughs> it's pool noodles and pool noodles don't hurt, but it's a great way to get them running around and, and playing, and it's really simple. You don't have to have trash cans. Another fun one that my kids have fallen in love with, actually we played this at the sixth grade camp that I do, and this last year watching it at sixth grade camp was awesome, it's called Grog. That's actually also on season event too. It's basically like the way that we play it is you have pieces of a flashlight. Mm -hmm. um, so we had, because we had these nice fancy LED cheap flashlights, there were three pieces of the flashlight that we hit all of our camp that had different names of the groups on. So like, you had to build the generosity, if you were a generosity group, you had to build the generosity flashlight. <coughs> so we had all those pieces spread all over the camp. And then the adults were the grog monsters. So it was like a, it was like a tag game. So if they were captured by the grog monster, they had to go back uh, to the spot and they had to answer any kind of question that our questionnaire person came up with, as soon as I answered that, they could go back in the game. We were like 30 seconds from cutting the game off, and the kid, one group secretly had the flashlight and won the game. But, but they loved that, and my kids love that game. And, and those are like, like, like I said, a, fly, a cheap flashlight, like two bucks. I mean, you can play games for free. I mean, and there's all sorts of websites. Uh, and, you know, seedbed.com is a really good one. That's a Wesleyan connection. So, I think what we'll do on resources, because we didn't, we had intentions of printing out resources for you, but uh, somebody that has an extra sheet of paper before we're done, we'll take your, your name and email address, and we'll email you. We'll, we've composed a list, we just didn't print it out, so we'll email you guys resources and things, so y'all don't hit, if you missed the name or whatever. You know, going, kind of talking about using our, our, our budget to our benefit, um, if you have any budget at all, at all, I mean, sing kids, mission trips, camps, things like that, that's awesome use of the budget. Um, but if you have people wanting to give money and you're not quite sure what to spend it on, Bibles. Yes. Um, please, 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 please buy your kids Bibles. And don't wait until they're a senior in high school to do it. <laughs> I did youth ministry too dang long. 
giving kids Bibles when they graduated high school, when they just spent six years with me. With God bless them, it was their third grade Bible, and it means a lot to them. But when they're a sixth grader, seventh grader, and when they get to high school, they're not bringing that Bible back because it's the children's Bible. It had precious moments on it, or the, you know, whatever. <laughs> Mine had precious moments on it. Um, <laughs> but I, I am a good Wesley study Bible. So I'm a Bible I'm a, I'm a, I call it the 3, 6, 12 plan. Right. So they get it in third grade, they get the children's mm -hmm. Bible in third grade. They get the confirmation Bible in sixth grade, so that's your teen Bible. Yeah. And then when they graduate, you better give them an adult study Bible. Them because if they're leaving your youth program yeah. out in the world with their youth study Bible, yeah. which may not have some bad notes in it, but it's not going to help them like if they decide, hey, I'm going to go to a disciple Bible study, and they open up their teen study Bible. Like, oh, wow. <laughs> and so always give them, you know, make sure. So we're on, everywhere I've been, it's always been the three steps. And, and that's not a bad way to do it, but please, please, please give them a Bible. Uh, and give them a good Bible that has notes in it. Whether it's a teen Bible, the Wesley Study Bibles are awesome. I got to where I give my confirmation students a Wesley Study Bible, and then when they graduated high school, I gave them another resource. Um, I gave them the Common Book of Prayer. Uh, so it's kind of some devotional things in it as well. Um, the CEB, the CEB, Children's Bible, uh, the CEB, Teen Bible, and then the Wesley Study yeah. Bibles. And then, like my daughter, my third daughter's in third grade. She's like, Daddy, I love this Bible you got. It's a CD. I was like, I didn't, the church got it for you. Right. Um, and so that's, and then our confirmants this year, it was amazing to see how many of the confirmants, when they would come to do things, they would bring their, their they do, they'll bring them. My, uh, my, also, my rule of thumb, you know, kids like to use their phones for their Bibles and things like that. You can't write on these very well, right? Um, and so, uh, I have a basket that when I do youth or do things that I don't want people to have their phones, even adults, put a basket in the middle of the table and place the phone basket. And then they have to bring their physical Bible because now you've taken the phone from them, but they're also paying attention uh, a little bit more too. And, and I'm bad about it. I'll play on my phone and listen to people and I, can't, I engage equally that way. But there's sometimes I'm looking at Facebook and not listening to <laughs> Oh yeah, I got my Bible. <laughs> but, um, you know, if that, that's a growing issue. And it's not a bad thing to have a Bible on your phone, but there's something to having a Bible that you can hold in your hands, that you can flip through, that you can write on um, in the moments that your phone just doesn't quite cut it. Uh, and I think when we're sitting down and we're studying, your phone just doesn't cut it. Um, but you can't ask them not to have it if you don't give them the resource to begin with. Um, and so there's, there's a line there. If you can ask them not to have their phones with the Bible app on it, better give them a Bible. They better have that resource. And if you can buy something that's all the translation and that all looks, maybe not looks like, but it's the same Bible, um, that's good too, because then they can, well, what I mean, just that on if they're, don't, they don't know where Philemon is, you know, or Hebrews, or, you know, because there's kids that didn't grow up in the church and they just, or this actually happened to me when I was first starting out in ministry. I swore that this um, Jonah story was in. Right. right. And so I spent the entire time looking at Exodus. I found this lesson on Jonah and I couldn't find it. I was getting yeah. frustrated. Yeah. And one of you is like, hey, it's actually there's a book. That's the other thing, too. I mean, and that's something that I've had to really fight in my current appointment is that you don't have to know everything <laughs> to be involved in the ministry. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, on the app yeah. thing and stuff. Yeah. Well, us being in a rural community, I mean, like, rural, sure. yeah, um, version, uh -huh. Bible app, 
is the most amazing thing for our youth. Right. And it's because it's almost set up like Facebook Bill, mm -hmm. where they can you can put them into a program yeah. and it's like a seven day long deal. You can see when they're in there. Yeah. You can chat with them. It's called version. Youth version. version. If you just Google, actually, if you just use the Bible app, uh, so that's what comes up. And then if I have what I call my notes, I'll put my notes in the deal that people can check in on it, and they've got right. right. And you can see when they when they come in and that they've done their work for that right. day and everything else. No, they're yeah, they're they're great resources. They really are. So so use them, but yeah. yeah. But, but I will say, I will say, as someone who has experienced this with you version. Uh, so the campground that we have has no access, yep. and so if you get out there, you can get to those notes and keep them. Visualize. That's where having the actual physical Bible makes a real difference. And so, like when I do camp, I do two camps a year. Um, when I went to youth camp, I always get somebody to buy me a box of Bibles because I guarantee you, I don't come home with those box of Bibles one because there's going to be kids that. Yeah. And so find someone, you know, because you, I guarantee you'll find someone in your church and say, hey, I need someone to buy me a box of Bibles. It costs like 50 bucks. Yeah. Who wants to do this for me? Somebody will have that kind of heart that will do it. And so, you know, those things are available for you there. And, and they're out there. And it's as simple as asking. Is what's the worst they can tell you? No. Right. And if they tell you no, someone's going to tell you yes. Yeah. Just keep asking. Don't be afraid to ask. Um, and, and I guess that's the whole thing. Work together. Be connectional. Find these people that are sitting in this room. This is this gets to be your new connection. Uh, even though you're all across the state, pick up the phone call. You know, um, and then use your resources wisely. And if you go and ask somebody, and you need some Bibles or you need camp money, and they say no, that's the next person. And and look at the people. I don't. I, I try not to start with the people that are those people in the church that are always there, that are always involved, where are you doing stuff? Ask the people who are quiet, because they're waiting to be asked. Um, they're not serving on committees. They're not doing these things. There's another group. Is your elderly who's at home? Absolutely. Yeah, you're, you're shut-ins, you're people who can't make it on Sundays, who have essentially lost their voice in the church because they're not physically there. My gosh, find them. They're great people. And if you can get your kids to go and see them and just love on them a little bit, they'll support anything you want them to do. You're absolutely right. Um, so I, we wanted to leave a portion at the end for the last questions. Because I know we, we, we said a lot and went through it really quickly. Um, so we want to give you guys the time to ask questions. And if uh, we, you want us to cover something that we haven't covered, because I know there's a lot. Thank you for listening to the Bearded Theologians podcast. We hope you've enjoyed listening and we hope that you share our content online uh, through Facebook and social media. And we hope that you check out our uh, Beardcast store at beardedtheologians.com and pick up some great Bearded Theologians gear. We hope you have a good day.